And those who passed by deride him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So alas, the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, a lie, a lie, lama sapakathian. Sorry for that. I'm going to butcher that word a lot today. That is my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? God, I pray that your words are the words that are heard and felt, but they never return void. And my words fall short. You may be seated. Brennan Manning states in The Furious Longing of God, by entering human history, God has demolished all previous conceptions of who God is and what man is supposed to be. We are suddenly presented with a God who suffers crucifixion. This is not the God of philosophers who speak with cold detachment about the supreme being. A supreme being would never allow spit on his face. Jesus Christ has irreparably shattered our comfortable piety and cracks open our capsule truth. The gospel is not a children's fairy tale, but rather a cutting-edge, rolling thunder, convulsive earthquake in the world of the human spirit. What is the cost of the cross? What was the true sacrifice? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Was it the nails that were driven through his hands, through his ankles? Was it the fact that all of his followers and friends had abandoned him? Was it the price that was paid? Was it the fact of being tortured and mocked? We hear the cost of the cross in these few words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let's sit in this for a little bit. Let's take a journey. Jesus is praised by these people as he enters into the city on a donkey, all saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, waving palm branches and claiming his glorious entrance into Jerusalem. Then he is arrested by a very group of jealous people, the very people that should have known who he is. We see that he is beaten and put on an unfair trial with a prejudiced jury, being chosen over a murderer to be led up to his death on a cross, enduring pain and beatings, then having to carry his own shame, his own destruction up a hill to where he is put to his own death. Getting to the top of this hill, where he is stretched out before his enemies, before his oppressors, 
and he utters these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Was the cost of the cross really his pain and torment of his physical body? Was it really the abandonment of his closest friends? Was it seeing the very people he came to show a new way of living and praise and shout over his death? I dare say no. This was a terrible and tragic thing that happened. But the real cost was separation. Separation from the father, which he never experienced before. We all have parents. We love our parents, even if they weren't the best of role models. Jesus, though, was one with his father, with the father. He stayed behind as a child to dwell in the house of his father. He spent every morning and every night speaking with his father. We account God's words before Jesus even did anything. Behold, this is my son, whom I love and am well pleased with. His love, his joy, his peace, his very being was tied in with the father. And now for the first time in his life, he is separated completely from the father. For the first time, the perfect, spotless lamb was now fully sin and separated from God. But this gives us access to God the Father because Jesus chose to be separated from him. He chose to be forsaken so that we could be called sons and daughters. And the story does not end here, though. The journey does not end with Jesus being a failed political uprising revolutionary who was cursed by being nailed to a tree. This is only the beginning, the beginning of something bigger, something greater that all of creation has been longing for. This is what everything has been pointing towards from Adam and Eve being kicked out of the Garden of Eden to our very lives right now. The fulfillment of God's first promise to Eve. Your offspring will be crushed, will crush the serpent's head, and he will bruise his heel. And we can read what the Bible really says about this sacrifice. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, scorning sin's shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. You are the joy that is set before Jesus in this horrific time. The person at work that crawls underneath your skin that waiter who just can never seem to get your order right or bring it in a timely fashion. 
that person who cut you off this morning on the way, to tra- on the way in traffic here, who just told you you were number one. They are the joy set before him. How? How do we know that this is true? As we heard earlier from Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can it be that easy? Can it be that simple? We read again in Romans 10.9, whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God rose him from the dead shall be saved. I want you all to take a minute interactive part and I want you all to say with me I am the joy before Christ Christ. now turn to your neighbor and tell them you are the joy before Christ this is the truth I want you to take with you in his separation in his agony you were his joy That through life, death, resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus, we now have access to the Father. That through his separation, we are now accepted and united with God. We are sons and daughters. And we now have new life in him. And life abundantly. But life isn't just a forgiven past and a hopeful future. But it is life today. It is a transformation today. And it is a free gift that all you have to do, all that is required, is to receive. Amen.